This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Shouldn't Feel This Way, Name What's Hard, Tame Your Guilt, and Transform Self-Sabotage into Brave Action, written and narrated by Dr. Allison Cook, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Steve Carter here, and in association with my good friends at Preaching Today and Food for the Hungry, I bring you a podcast that helps you get better at the craft of preaching and teaching and communicating while always ensuring that your character leads the way. Well, today I'm excited because I get the chance to talk to Mark Dance. Uh, he, he's been a pastor, a church planner. He's an author of an incredible book called Start to Finish. And I, I'm really excited because as we kind of end 2023 and we start to look at the year ahead, I, I really wanted to, to just bring someone in who I think could really help us. Because I really believe that, you know, the, the way that you arrange your calendar um, speaks volumes to what's most important. You do that over the course of a decade, two decades, three decades. And that's, that's the kind of fruitfulness of ministry that you'll have. And, and I, 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 I got handed this book, uh, from a buddy of mine and, and he just told me, you're going to, you're going to like this. And I started plowing through it. And the way that Mark writes, it's just like, boom, 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 one, punch after another. And, and it's, it's, it's thoughtful. And so I'm really excited. Uh, and I know you will all be blessed, especially going into this next calendar year to have the wisdom from Mark Dance. Mark, welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Thank you, Steve. Happy to be here. Well, let's, let's just jump in. I mean, what, what for you, why, why did you write this book? Well, I pastored churches for 27 years, and then uh, Tom Rainer asked me to start Lifeway Pastors nine years ago this month. And as I thought about, as I was talking to pastors about leading their own lives and their families and their churches, it occurred to me that, you know, didn't have a resource that could kind of elaborate. And that was a challenge that Lifeway uh, leaders uh, challenged me with was to write my core message. And man, you, you know, when, when somebody says, what's your core message, you really have to go deep, right? Okay. And, and be concise. And for me, it wasn't that hard because I, I believe God clarified that for me about 15, 16 years ago when I was reading through scripture and the great commandment came alive to me. I mean, I'd read it. I'd preached it. We all know it. The scribe who asked Jesus what the greatest commands knew it, his parents and grandparents, and he himself said it twice a day his whole life. So for me, though, the, the clarity of this is the most important thing you're going to do as a pastor, as a person. This is the first and greatest, most important grace so thing ever. And so I aspired from that day on to be a great commandment pastor and leader, as opposed to for 20 years, my goal was to be a great commission pastor. Mm which is admirable. It just falls short of God's clear goal. He didn't say that's your first and most important thing you want you to do. And, and, you know, every single pastor and leader who's a great commandment leader is going to be a great commission leader. If they, you can't love your neighbor and not share the gospel with them. 
But I've met a lot, including myself, who have at times been great commission leaders, but not great commandment leaders. Mm. You know, teaching, preaching, baptizing, checklist, all the things we're supposed to do, but then we, our relationships erode. So I took the two commands, and that's really the first section of the book focused on the first command, loving God. So chapter for each, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second command, love your neighbor, just kind of concentric circles. Unpack that, starting with the first, and Jesus said, I'm first. You're, if you're married, you know, you're spouse, you know. And so on down through those relationships, all the way to the people that don't like it or love us, right? Love your enemies. So that's what it is. It's a simple, great commandment-oriented book. Well, I love how you how you just talked about that because I feel like, you know, in this day and age, in the in the heart of the book too, you're seeing a lot of pastors who just feel exhausted. Yeah. And just weary. And, and many of them not finishing well, many of them feeling profoundly isolated. What I, what I appreciate in this book is, is I feel like you're really giving people tools to actually start well and finish well. Um, talk about that because I know that was even part of some of the Lifeways study as they began to kind of unpack and I think it was it 2017 or 2015 some of the 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 research that was coming out around pastors that I think was influential in in what you were writing about yeah you know there were two two basic book in research projects that that Lifeway did the first one initiated when I was there and now I'm at Guidestone which is like a sister Southern Baptist entity doing pretty much the same thing, helping pastors start and finish well. And in 2015, the attrition study basically took on the mythological dark statistic that we've all heard, maybe even repeated, that 1,500 pastors are leaving the ministry every month. You've heard that, right? Some some say 1,700. Yeah, it's like you've heard this for years. And we did a deep dive as to where that stupid statistic came from. And it came out from a straw poll at Fuller Seminary back when Roger Stahlbach was throwing tight spirals. Basically, it was a seminar about a a, a burnout seminar at at a local seminary. And a straw poll means that, you know, people are raising their hands. And it never was meant to be research. It wasn't their fault. But then a, a few years later, several years later, H.B. London um, who is a hero of mine, he put it in one of his books about burnout. And so now every time you see that statistic, if it's sourced at all, it goes back to either H.B. London or to Fuller Seminary when it never was, never was true. So Lifeway took on the, uh, the job of finding out how many are leaving the ministry. How many are so exhausted, depleted, frustrated, whatever reason, are pastors really bailing? Are they quitting in droves? So they found out in 2015 that the number is more like 200 to 250 a month or a year, which you extrapolate over, but still that's one less than one and a half percent. Not near what, 1,500 a month. And then in 2021, after multiple uh, voices had, cried for this, the great resignation, you know, pastors are leaving the ministry because there's, or they're, you know, most, and then, then you'd hear some accurate research, 38%. When Barna came out with that last year, 38% are seriously considered in leaving the ministry. They also, 
you know, foreclosed that those not in the ministry that are con- seriously considering leaving their jobs, 38%. <laughs> you know, anybody who's been in ministry more than 15 minutes has thought about leaving, you know? <laughs> so the, the, the fact is they did another deep dive study on attrition in 2021. So there's two. You can go to Lifeway Research slash attrition and find both of them that the, that the exact same number, same statistic after COVID as before, which means COVID didn't run off our pastors. There's yeah. always going to be pastors that disqualify themselves or quit or whatever, throw in the, throw in the towel. But, and that's sad, but they're not, they're, they don't, we don't have a history of bailing first sign of trouble. And I'm, I hope that those who hear this are encouraged by that. Right. Cause that's what we're here to do to encourage them. Right. Right. Well, in, in, in the, the book, you really talk about prioritizing, like, and almost giving them like a, a strategy, um, for staying healthy mentally and emotionally and spiritually. Talk about that because I think, you know, as we think about going into the next year, you know, as, 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 as pastors, you know, often I, I did this, um, the week between Christmas and New Year's, you know, I, 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 I looked back and was, was grateful, but I also started to think through, okay, for Q1, yeah. what, do I, what do I want that to look like? Yeah. Talk about that because I think that will be really, really helpful. We've got a lot of younger pastors. We got, we've got a, a, a bunch of lead pastors, but, but talk about the importance of that. Yeah, between Christmas and New Year's, you not only have a good time to assess how do I, what changes do I want to make, whether you call them resolutions or not, who cares, right? But the, here's this is a great time to assess, maybe do a little internal audit as to how I want to be different. And I love the title of this podcast, Crafted Character, because almost everything in our job description in First Timothy 3 is about character, right? <laughs> and so, you know, not just what I want to do differently, but who do I want to be differently next year? And assess those, and the book bears out how we can do that. Just, you know, basically, how do I want to be different spiritually? So if we talk about heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're talking practically about checking my spiritual pulse, my mental or emotional pulse, checking my... um my physical pulse, you know, what do, am, am I where I want to be? Is my trajectory for a, tr- a strong finish? In a, in a relational audit, you look at your calendar and say from the previous year, and I love that this podcast is going out at the end of the year, you look back and go, hey, you know what? I don't have, my, my family's not in there as much as needs to be because our priorities end up on our calendar, right? Or it might be some friends. When's the last time you talked to your best friend? Is there a pattern there? Or, you know, do you have some realistic physical goals? And what are you going to do to change that? You know, and so all of this is stewardship. All of this is discipleship. Because again, there's not a more important thing for us to do, according to Jesus and Moses, than to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so this is a good time to kind of take an EKG and go, okay, this is not legalism. It's not perfectionism. But I want to be honest and maybe maybe share these goals with a friend, your spouse, or both. So For good. Accountability. Mark, you've you, you know, been a pastor 27 years. You've been leading pastors. Um, you know, you, you work at Guidestone, Lifeway, all the stuff that you've been around. You've been in rooms, talked with pastors, they've called you, 
What do you think are some of the top two or three reasons for why they don't implement these great commandments? What, what, what is it? Why, why don't we prioritize what you're talking about? Is it, have you been able to kind of discover for many pastors what prevents them? Because I know many of them want that, want to, but what's the, what's the internal res- resistance, do you feel? Well, I think one of the big resistances is, is the Western way we approach scripture and we mm. categorize these areas of our lives into a point to where we, we're like, okay, I'm going to focus on the spiritual. That's the only part that, that'll matter a thousand years from now. I think I'm going to actually be responsible for how I took care of the one body gave, God gave me or my mental health or my family's mental health. You know, that's this, there's too many scriptures about about mental health in the Bible where I can't just um, separate these things artificially when scripture does not do that. It integrates instead of separates. And so this is a whole life discipleship that says, you know, when I make a physical decision about how to take care of my, my, my body or my mind or my finances, then or how I manage, that's the word used twice in our job description. Manage means to lead. Am I managing my home? If I'm not, God says, you're not even qualified to manage my home, right? Mm. And the same with money. You're, 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 you're not usually, we as, as a tribe, as a profession, are not that proficient at finances. Is that fair to say? I mean, we, yeah. we, you know, we don't have a lot of educational background, but we... We're, we're not even the most proficient person in our home most of the time, but we are the most responsible person in our home mm. for every dime. And we are the most responsible person in our church if we're the pastor. But again, that doesn't mean you have to be the most proficient. You have to ask for help. So here's the big answer to your question. Yeah. Pastors need humility to ask for help. Physical, mental, financial, relational, we are not called to be proficient in other people's professions. We call to lead, feed, and love our, our people. And let's be awesome at that. And then let the interdependent body of Christ help us with things we stink at. Yeah. But that takes, you know, you have to overcome some pride to go, you know what? I'm not here just to discover my gifts. I'm here to discover the gifts I don't have. And then find them in the body of Christ. Yeah. yeah. It takes a lot of pressure off of us. I think the humility required that you are talking about, because there is that pressure to be proficient in all of these areas. Um, yeah. I, I remember hearing about one senior pastor and he introduced the person to his right and the person to his left. And he said, this is, this is my weakness number one, my weakness number two. And what he was saying was the person beside him was the proficient one in his biggest weakness of money. And the other one was the biggest proficient voice in strategy, you know, and he just, he's like, these, these represent my two biggest weaknesses and they're taking our church so much farther. And I, I loved his humility in that, but I think for so many pastors, they just can't seem to do that. I, I, I think too, relationally, yes, you, you break this down, like get to know your neighbors. Like even just talked about like just a moment ago of, Hey, how, when was the last time you talked to your, your close friend and had like an honest, like, hey, how's your heart, mind, soul? Yeah. Um, 
body conversation with it. Like, I think so many of us are just constantly leading and going and we might shoot a text. We might be in a fantasy football league. We might, you know, you know, have some moment of like, Hey, saw that sermon you did. Great job. But it's not talking about what's really going on. And I think to your point, like, man, that's, there's a humility to ask for help and say, man, I, I need, I need to have this conversation. I need to have that. Talk about yeah. that. Well, Steve, the, you know, I hear a lot about pastors in isolation and there, that is a challenge, but it's, 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 it's the most preventable challenge I've seen in ministry. Yeah. You know, I started pastoring 36 years ago and God surrounded us with people. And some listen to this or maybe a little working a little more remotely than others, but there are people that God has in our church, in our community, other pastors. And now in, we can reach each other like you and I are doing right now uh, in different cities so easily. Isolation is, is preventable. It's very dangerous as well because we need people. As a caregiver, it's counterintuitive for us to ask for help from people, but it's, it's essential because it's part of self-care. Self-care is strategic. It's not selfish. It's important. First Timothy 4.16 is my favorite verse in the Bible related to what I do. Pay close attention, Paul tells Timothy. Pay attention. It's the second time he tells him. First time is in Acts 20. Pay attention to your life, he tells him. Both times, life comes before ministry. Yeah. In Acts 20, pay attention to your, to your life and your flock. And in First Timothy 4.16, pay attention to your life and your teaching or doctrine. And so we learned about the teaching and, and the, and the pastoring our flock, but it, it, it schools, but we, it's the life part that gets us tripped up. That's what gets people in trouble. And so here at the end of the year, like you're saying, say, Hey, you know what? It's been, it's been, when's the last time I talked to my best friend or, you know, or my top three best friends? I ask pastors that all the time at live events, which is just about every week. Who's your best friend? And I've had pastors say, I don't have a best friend or I used to have a best friend. Or what do you like to do outside of ministry? And you know, they'll start looking up in the ceiling, trying to think about what they used to do. You know, yep. <laughs> when's the last time you took a day off? When's the last time you took a vacation? As if stopping is an option, still the fourth commandment every week. And so we're, we're no, we're no better or worse. We have the same marriage and children, uh, challenges that, Everyone else does the same physical, you know, we have, we need sleep just like everybody else does. And so it's not admirable for us to neglect ourselves. And that's a big difference between neglecting ourselves and denying ourselves. One's admirable and one's moronic. Yes. Because first Timothy 4 to 16 goes on to say, pay close attention to your life and to your doctrine or teaching persevere in these things for in doing this, you save not only yourself, but also your hearers, which means this is, this helps other people when you have, you know, managed those, the whole part of your life. And again, not to perfection, because it's a gray zone we're in right now, but to go, you know what, at the end of the year, and I'm going to make some changes, some tangible, realistic changes. It'll move the needle. They won't guarantee that I'll live a certain way, 
you know, or I finish it exactly the way I want, but I'm going to steward my whole life as if I'm preparing for a strong finish, one that'll glorify God, one that won't victimize my family. I don't want my wife, when she outlives me, to borrow money from my kids because I didn't prepare for retirement. And so let somebody that's more proficient at you, preferably someone at Guidestone, because if every time I say Guidestone, I get a raise, I'm going to say it four or five more times. <laughs> but so wherever you can get it, help on protecting your family or preparing them for a strong finish, let somebody help you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I think it's so good. And, you know, that's at, at the heart of Start to Finish, this great book that you've written. But, you know, First Timothy 4 is kind of at the, the back drop of how we got the name Crafting Character. Um, mm. Because... I love verse 16. Um, I love how he says, you know, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, set an example. So it's all character, you know. Right. But then he then he goes into these matters and he and he says, Hey, be devoted to your gift. Yes. Um, be diligent in these matters so that everyone may see your progress. Give yourself fully to them. And to your point, he says, pay attention to your life. Exactly. Like you said. What's often though is most pastors are pay attention are paying attention to the lives of their congregation, not their own. And I love how you how that verse ends, just how you said it is, man, you'll save yourself, not just yourself, but your hearers also. If we're not taking care of this temple, if we're not taking care of this mind, this body, this soul, and what what can we offer that's going to be for lasting good um, to our kids, to our spouse, to our church, to our people, yeah. to people, to our neighbors, you know? And, and I really feel like you, you just get after that in this book. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious because how did you get first Timothy four to be that, that life verse, like pay attention to your life. I just, I love the way you said that. Was that a, yeah. How, how did that become for you? Well, you know, like the great commandment, there was a point to where I, I like to think of it like a face mask moment, which is like illegal now. But <laughs> in a long time ago, if a football coach wanted the undivided attention of one of their players, they just grabbed their face mask. <laughs> and that's the most efficient way to get, yeah. get all of somebody's attention. And so that's what God did for me. He's like, wow, this is so clear. Mm. And because it's clear, it's compelling. And because... I mean, because I pastored 27 years full time, but I've also done interim pastors. So I'm, I'm like, I'm, I've still got the stink of the church on me, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm still preaching. I'm preaching more than I ever, I've ever preached in my life and, and with pastors and in churches. But this, this passage became important because of the way it blessed others. Again, we're reluctant. We as pastors, ministry leaders, reluctant to take care of ourselves, to practice self-care or wellness because we think we're doing everybody a favor. But what that verse does, it's the second half, right? It's not just pay attention to yourself so that you'll be your better self. This is so that this collateral blessing of your life instead of the collateral damage that happens when you neglect yourself and you end up being another statistic. And he's saying, do this not only for yourself, but also for all those people around you. And when you do that, you're discipling them by the way. And, and so the second half of Start to Finish talks about how to prioritize relationships. It's pretty simple, basic. You know, there's nothing in there. 
I appreciate what you said about it, but there's nothing there that ministry leaders hadn't already learned somewhere else and taught somewhere else. But it's written as a pastor's guide to leading a resilient life and a resilient ministry. And it prioritizes the people God says, what is unique about our profession is that we're the only profession on this planet that I've known about that I've heard about. And I've asked this for nine years. I've been doing pastoral ministry to pastors for nine years. I asked this at all the seminaries multiple times. Have you even heard of another profession besides ours that requires that you succeed both at home and at work that has our wife and kids in the job description? There's not one that I've heard of. I'm still asking that. Yeah, yeah. And so because of that, we've got to get this right. And, and the people that we minister to, they're trying to get that same work-life balance. They want a happy marriage. They want to love God to the end. And, you know, the, t- the two top, if you're listening to this going, hey, you know, it's just a lot to put my mind around. Let me just simplify it. Jesus already did with the great commandments. But what he's saying here, neighbor means nearest one. So nearest one in my house, her name's Janet. So we've already covered our, my first love in the first commandment, right? He's first love. If you if, if you forsake Abandon your first love. You just turn around, did what you did at first, Revelation 2, right? So what about your neighbor? Nearest one in my house is Janet. For about 20 years each, I had two kids. Till they became squatters, they were the nearest ones. And then they went to school. They went to college. Now, in this stage of life, our parents are needing us more than our, our kids, so that you have that pecking order. And even Leviticus 19, where love your neighbor came from initially, the first application is, is regarding your, how you treat your parents. And Paul told Timothy that in one of his follow-up letters, you know, you're worse than an unbeliever. You don't take care of your family. But then you've got your other relationships. And maybe the order's a little different for each one, whether you put friends next or members next or whatever, or, or, or the neighbors that live literally next door to you. Love everybody, even the ones that hate you. But just because everyone's equal in God's eyes doesn't mean that they're equal in our eyes because we're not God. And he has a divine pecking order that says, okay, I'm first. Don't put your wife above me, you know, or your husband. Don't put your, you know, and then don't put anybody in front of your spouse, not your kids, not your parents. In fact, in Genesis 2 is the magic wand of marriage is break up with your parents. Yeah. You know, you want to grow your marriage, break up with your parents. Well, break up with your kids. You just just have some boundaries. And the same with church members need a demotion. Your friends need a demotion when you get married. They need boundaries. And so to, to, to grow the top two relationships with Jesus and Janet, in my case, that means they have to be reflected in my calendar. And when I read the great commandment, that face mask moment for me, I looked on my calendar and I saw people that I had appointments with. Two, two days a week, I'd meet a guy named Brian at the gym first thing in the morning. And I came back to Brian and said, Brian, I'll work out with you in the afternoon, but first things first. My first conversation is going to be with Jesus, not you. And my first conversation after work is going to be with Janet, not my kids or anybody else. I don't walk in the house with phone calls going and, and let people interrupt her. And so if Jesus and Janet are happy with me, I'm good. I don't need everybody else's applause, right? Yeah. But if I'm sideways with either of them, then all the applause in the world wouldn't, wouldn't do me any good. And so that's basic old school kind of just keep the people in the priority list 
that God said was your priority. And when you practice that in front of church members, you're discipling them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing how many young pastors, nobody ever taught them this. Right. You know, many, many pastor friends I know in their 40s or 50s, I mean, it's almost like assumed. And like you said, it's kind of like you're taught this and you taught the great commandment. You're, you're, you're taught about the Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul, your mind. You're taught this, you know, and who your neighbor is, but you put it all together. And I, I, I really think it's, you know, if you bring on a new staff member to your church, this should be mandatory reading. You know, I, I know a lot of people are like your first 90 days. This should be like that <laughs> kind of mandatory reading because man, I, I want you to start in this culture and I want you to get this right. Like I, for your elders to, to start and let's embody this um, for your, your exec team. Let's be these kinds of people. I love the fact that you um, just went straight to your calendar because I, I I believe that what you prioritize is who you will become. Do you find yourself being someone who like every 30 days you adjust a little bit? Are you like tinker with, or are you kind of like at this day and age, man, you're pretty routine. Like your structure breeds a level of freedom for you. How, how, do, how do you arrange your, your calendar is what I'm, what I'm trying to get at. Well, I think like a lot of folks listening right now, this this end of the year is a great time to assess how do I want to make changes along the way. Of course, you'll make tweaks. What I've what in my my situation is a little different now in that my ministry is national, so I've got to kind of budget my time. And also, I'm 58 years of age, so I cannot commit overcommit like I did before. Just bounce right back, you know. So this is. This is, um, I will budget in what God says important, not just Jesus and Janet, but my Sabbath. I, if, if I'm not taking days, like, you know, it's a 24 hour cease and desist order. It takes a lot of faith and discipline to do it. But the same with, if you want to plan a vacation, you don't wait to the end of the summer and go, you know what? We need to just check that box. Or you, you have to, you have to go and be the leader of not just your church, but your home. Remember, they are intrinsically connected. And then um, when you have children like you do, you have still children at home, you you make decisions there that are different when you're empty nest like I am. Yeah. And so each stage is a little different. The The challenge when your children are, for those are, you said some, some young listeners, if you have preschoolers at home, you're not going to date like you did before you had kids or after they leave. So don't try, don't go on that guilt trip, but don't stop dating either. Cause there's a whole lot of, a whole lot of people that I know that after their kids finally leave the house, their marriage is as empty as their nest because they stopped dating somewhere along the way. And that is that, that our, our, our ministry will never be stronger than our marriage. So I can't, I can't, you know, emphasize that enough. Your, your walk with Christ. You're not always going to be in revival mode. You're not always going to be in honeymoon mode. That's not realistic in season, out of season. So, it's, you know, if it's not great for you right now, don't, don't beat yourself up. But look at, do that assessing, do that auditing and go, you know, I need to put more emphasis on this, yeah. right? And for me, when I changed my calendar stuff, I didn't stop going to the gym. I just moved it to a different time. That's good. So yeah. that's that. Yes, I'm tweaking constantly. And to be honest with you, this is a lot easier for me to write about and talk about than it is to practice. Mm-hmm. All of these things are disciplines. Discipleship's not easy. And so I don't want to make it sound easy, 
and I don't want you to get, I don't want you to, to get stuck if, if you have a bad day, a bad week, or a bad month. Just get back on it. And, the, and again, it's not just for yourself, but the collateral blessing for your family and your ministry when you manage your life and you steward all of that life. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think again, I, dude, I love just the, the text that you're using. I love just like the, the, the urgency at which you're talking about it though. Um, because I, I think again, we're all in the sense of, of looking at this past year and looking ahead. And I think to, to just understand like, Oh, where are there some friction points in, in me that I, I need to ask for help. Yeah. I mean, you know, like it, it might be with my physical health. It might be with, you know, man, I just, I don't, I don't have a hobby. It mm-hmm. might be around Sabbath and, and just being aware of that and bringing that before the Lord, man, that just can open up so much and, and, and conversation. And then you start looking around and it's almost like when you bought a, a new a Jeep Wrangler and, and you saw a Jeep Wrangler everywhere you went because it's like top yeah. of mind. You're, you're going to start to see and God's going to bring people into your life um, or resources like start to finish where you're going to be able to read and go, oh, that that is naming what I was feeling. Yes. And now I know how to actually put this into practice. And I, and again, I think that's what you do in this book so, so well. Thank you. With, with like a pastoral heart, but also with a little bit of like urgency, which again, for me, <laughs> I like it. I like yeah. it. I need it. Well, we get energy off each other in this conversation. Hopefully others will too, yeah. which, you know, means I think the best way to, to read something practical like this is with someone who's in, who's also in ministry. Right. And kind of walk through it together and go encourage each other. And, you know, I don't, by the way, don't make a penny off of this book. I donated every dime to Mission Dignity, a part of Guidestone that helps retirement age ministers and their widows who need help, practical financial help. I mean, they have to be in need. And we, we have, you know, 2,800 ministers and widows every month with it. And so, I want to say that because I don't want to sound like a book salesman. It's, it's, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to make any money off of it. I, I want to help pastors. And I want also one thing about the mission dignity list, all 2,800 on that list have one thing in common. Not one of them want to be on that list. Yeah. And so pastor, if I, if I can be the face mask moment, be the coach, the big brother for a minute and just say, I don't have any get-rich-quick themes um, or ideas. But I think that one of the best things you can do for your your family and your ministry and yourself is to, to have a financial plan to finish well. The very last thing Paul told Timothy, he said, I'll, 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 you know, I want to finish the race God gave me. You're familiar with that, Acts 20. You read all the way to the end. So I'll never see you face-to-face again. They start crying, which is awkward. Three times it mentions they're crying. The last thing he says to him before he gets on the ship, three verses he commits to financial independence. He says, have a plan. My plan was I've supported myself and my team so as not to be a burden. And I want to be like Jesus who said it's more blessed to give than receive. 
And he, by the way, he's taking an offering to Jerusalem. He's on, they're reading him Miletus because he wants to make it in time for Pentecost so that he can bless them. He says to basically end as a giver, not a taker. Yeah. And I don't know how many pastors I talk to don't have a retirement plan or post vocational ministry plan that last season. And most of the time their wives are going to outlive them. So just begin to develop a plan, get somebody to help you so that you'll, you'll end your ministry and your family will. Um, as a generous giver and not just another victim of, you know, either poor management or lack. It's, it's really, churches I know, we're not in this because it, it's, it's a lucrative profession. Right, right. However, if, if they paid you more, would you, would you manage it better, you know? And so it's really up to us. If you're the pastor, you're the equipper, you, you, you become the one that's most responsible. So uh, think about that this year as you go into next year. Of, do I really have a, a real budget or just kind of one of those drafts that I've always thought of doing? And do I have in that budget something that is going to grow? I want to get on the right side of compound interest. And I did that at 22 when I went to seminary right out of college. I, I charged something I couldn't afford. And I talked to a Guidestone guy. Hmm. That was a long time ago. It was 36, 37 years ago. It was 1986. And he said, you know, if you just save some each month and you live within your means, this is how it's going to look towards the end of your ministry. And I was like, that makes sense. So the last time I charged anything I couldn't afford was 1986 because I listened to some guy. I don't know his name. I don't remember what he looked like. I was just like, I listened to him. Yep. You know, it's like, yep. yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to get on the other side of compound interest, right? <laughs> Let's break this pattern. And God's blessed that. Wow. Well, I love that. I love how just, again, practical, you know, from Acts 20, do you have a plan? And I think yeah. it's important. And, you know, I, I, we know this from the pastoral side, every one of us who have, who have had to officiate a funeral mm. and we're sitting with um, the widow um, and they're waiting on a life insurance check or they don't know if there's one coming or they don't know what the future holds or they're just under it. And you just sit there and you go, Oh man, I'm, I'm not even just having to walk with you in the grief. I'm having to walk with you in the, the reality yes. that you didn't have a plan. You're, you're, and, and just knowing that sense, it's, it just, it's, it's a, it's another level of responsibility on the families. Yeah. And I know for so many of you pastors, like you don't have a plan. And I, like, I mean, I, I got a plan. I, I, it's, 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 it's what comes out twice a month. And I just, I put it away and it's, it's, um, awesome. I, I don't like to do it to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, me but, either. But, but the, the <laughs> discipline is making decisions against yourself, against what the flesh wants in that moment. Yeah. And, but I, but you're getting on the other side of compound interest. Um, Mark, let me just ask you this. He's, what, like, let's say a pastor's listening to this right now and he's like, okay, dang it, you got me. Um, <laughs> I, I don't have a plan. And I'm, you know, I'm in my 40s or I'm in my 50s. Um, what, what, what would you recommend that they do? Start today, okay? You can't undo anything. Just start, just start now. That's the, I don't care how old you are. The average age 
of the of the ministers that come to Guidestone for financial help is 42. 42. And we can't we can't catch you up, but we can start and you can start to grow it and you can start to live with it. Be honest, the, the biggest challenge is living within your your means. If you're spending more than you're making, if you're eating out all the time, you're just making small choices. Yep. And let you know, just change the trajectory. Also, you're discipling your kids by the way you live that. And and again, find somebody. You can go to guidestone.org and there's all kinds of contact information for, for insurance and retirement that can help you. I mean, I'm thinking of, of two pastors in one state that passed away unexpectedly last year. St- same state convention. One of them had life and disability. One didn't. One, that means one of, one of the widows got a $100,000 check and one of them got nothing. And it was, I mean, it was very, very cheap. It was just a matter of the pastor. One of them was responsible and one of them wasn't. They yeah. thought, hey, well, you know, what's the matter to me? I'm in my 40s. But then, you know, that's just kind of one of those cautionary tales. But be responsible. Know what the plan is. Make sure you get help. But own it. Yeah. Manage yeah. it. The word manage is, is translated lead in Romans 12, one of the spiritual gifts. It's the same word. So, so be the leader, make the changes you need to make, and, um, and be flexible and humble, and God will bless you and bless people through you. Mm, that's so good, man. I, I honestly, friends, pick up the book, Start to Finish. Um, you, you heard Mark uh, say he he doesn't make a penny off of it, which he, it's a it's a donation to to really to help ministers who have been widowed, and you can just see that heart there, and I love that. But I also think, man, this this kind of book would be really really great for for staff culture, and mm. some 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 years when I've been on church staffs, you know, you, you almost have a theme. And it's it's great to to have teams read a chapter a month and then just spend a staff meeting just just chopping about it. And I think this would be one of those books. If you could get a, all of your staff rowing in the same direction from start to finish, man, what a what a gift that will be. Not just for your culture, but man, for the legacy and the commitment Amen. of those of those leaders. And then secondly, is if if you don't have a plan, um, here's the humility question: Do you have the humility? required to ask for help. And maybe that's at, at Guidestone. Maybe that's someone in your congregation. But please, for your family, ask for help and begin start today um, because it's it's going to, in some way, shape, or form, um, bless. Because outside of Jesus, death is undefeated. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it comes for all of us. It's just some people are prepared and some aren't. Mark, thank you so much for your wisdom. Where can people find you? Hey, I'm, it's pretty simple. My name, Mark Dance. Mark, put a dot in between Mark and Dance and then add guidestone.org. Mark.dance at guidestone.org. I answer my own emails and I'm glad to, glad to hear from you. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Um, we will obviously have a link to this book in the show notes and social media. Um, feel free, share this podcast with um, someone that you think would be really blessed by this start to finish message. And maybe there's an area in your life that just right now, you just got to spend a couple moments and say, hey, here's where I got to have some humility. Here's what I got to prioritize going into 2024. And just imagine coming four months, eight months, a year, 
20 years later, you can look back and, and go, man, this was that face mask moment for you that really helped kind of get your life being all that it could be and all God dreamed it can be. So much love, everyone. We'll see you again next time. Grace and peace. <laughs>